Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome once again to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I hope that everybody had a great weekend. We are broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. Now from 5 to 6, we're going a full hour. A lot of exciting changes happening to the show. We are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Backwoods Barbecue, and Planet Fitness. And on the show today is my official new co-host, Corey Bank. He is going to join me later. We're going to recap all the big football games, college and pro, that happened over the weekend. But we do have a great show for you. I'm going to talk. This first segment is going to be my opening thoughts about what happened over the weekend. And also want to remind all the listeners that, you know, I've been doing this podcast for about two and a half years. This is episode 458 on this September 12th, 2022. Yesterday was a very important day in our country as we reflect back on 9-11. But this weekend is always my favorite weekend because you get high school football, college, and the NFL all crammed into one show. And I am so excited that I'm doing this show. And I'm glad to have Corey on as a co-host. He is going to be on on Mondays talking about the weekend. And he's going to be on with me Fridays talking about high school football. So on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, he's going to have a segment called The Daily Dash as we talk about what's going on on tap when it comes to sports and uh, recap any sporting events that happened over the weekend. I have a busy week. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to have Gabe Reynolds as he's going to break down the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game and Alabama's narrow win over the Texas Longhorns. I will get into that shortly. And then on Wednesday's show, I'm going to have Kate Norm. She's a host of a podcast called the Rookie Contract Podcast. I was happy enough to get on her show and... So I returned the favor and asked her if she wanted to be on my show. And so it was a good interview. And I'm also in a fantasy football league that she invited me to. And that's a lot of fun. I actually played her this past weekend. And yeah, I'm I'm losing big time. And I did not do well in my fantasy football league. And then on Thursday's show, I'm going to have the one, the only Inside the Walls podcast host, Zach Kyleman, as we will reflect on the Columbus Lions announcement that's coming up this Tuesday and the legacy of former head coach Jason Gibson as he is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Sharks. A lot of other stuff going on in the world of sports besides football. You have the Georgia Vipers winning the Southeast Championship at Spencer High School on Saturday. Congratulations to Cortez Chaney and all the Georgia Vipers as they reach the Final Four. They'll be in Texas. But let's get right into the show. Oh, I had a busy week. I called a high school football game on Thursday night. Some of the games were moved because of inclement weather. 
And that game that Corey and I called between Glenwood and Bessemer Academy had electrifying results. I cannot believe how it ended. It just ended on an extra point that hit a breaker and the power goes out in the stadium. What a way to end a game, especially if you're that kicker. He must be on cloud nine right now. And then we go into the week. I was watching some of the college football games like I always do, you know, because I'm at work for the weekend. I'm watching games on my phone. I'll tell you what, Texas came to play. I know Alabama made a lot of mistakes in that game, but Texas came to play. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the Atlanta Falcons blowing another lead. I cannot believe that the Atlanta Falcons have not learned their lesson from previous seasons. I'm not talking about 28-3 in the Super Bowl. I'm talking about in 2020 when they blew at least five games when they had a big fourth quarter lead. And I got to look into 2021 as well. They just don't learn their lesson. They clearly were the dominant team. They get up in a game, and they just don't know how to close a game. And James Winston was just on fire. And as I was listening to the game on the radio, because I was coming home from work, I knew, what are you doing there, Coach Smith? You need to go for it on that fourth and short. Punting the football away, even though that the Saints had no more timeouts. Jameis Winston, I knew, was going to beat the Falcons. So I'll get into that. And as a San Francisco 49ers fan, I am completely saddened that they lost to the Chicago Bears 19-10. to I know that it was terrible weather conditions, but Trey Lance looked bad. Can I just come out and say that? He looked bad. I know he didn't have George Kittle. I know he didn't have Elijah Mitchell, but he looked bad. So I'll get into that. And I will also reveal my top 10 in high school football for East Alabama and West Georgia because we had some major upsets. Opelika takes down the number one team in the state of Alabama Central. This was the high school game of the week, and Opelika does it in overtime 17-14, to and I will reveal my rankings. So let's get right into the show. We're going to start with high school football because on Fridays we had some very important games, including Opelika beating Central 17-14. to Russell County did lose on the road to Carver-Montgomery. You had Carver losing their first game of the season. The Northside Patriots get a big win over Shaw, and now Northside is 3-1. and so here are my rankings. I'm going to start with East Alabama. A lot of undefeated teams in here. So something's got to give. A lot of these teams are just going to cannibalize each other. But I did publish this on my Twitter page. Go to my Twitter handle, at SportsRichardH, if you want to check out my rankings. But the number one team right now in East Alabama is the Auburn Tigers. Getting a win over Jefferson Davis. They have beaten two top ten teams already. And the Auburn Tigers have looked good. The reason why they're ranked number one and not Opelika is because if you look at the poll for the Alabama Writers Association, Auburn was ranked two behind Central. Auburn has just looked incredible. 4-0 on the year. They win a top five team against Hoover. They beat Enterprise on the road. They beat Dothan at home 42-14. And then in convincing fashion, they beat Jefferson Davis 31-0. And they will travel to Montgomery to take on Robert E. Lee next week. The one game I am penciling in on September the 30th, get ready. They both could still be undefeated. Opelika's coming to the duck. There is no question that that is going to be my high school game of the week. I mean, why not? That is just a massive game. All right, number two, Opelika, they knocked off the biggest upset in high school football so far, beating the Central Red Devils 17-14. to And Roman Gagliano looks so poised as a quarterback, able to get the victory in overtime. And Opelika is 4-0. And I know that before the Central game, 
winning against Callaway, 29-28. They beat Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee. So now they got to take on Prattville. Now that's going to be a very tough game. Prattville, remember, was a team that lost to Smith Station. They lose to Dothan on Friday night. Dothan is 3-1. and one. I mean, where did this come from? That's a big surprise. You know, Dothan down in South Alabama. But Opelika is number two. Number three, I'm not going to drop them that far. The Central Red Devils. They are still one of the best teams in Alabama. They have three stars they are going to play at the next level. Jalen Epps is a great quarterback. I just think that they got into a hostile environment at Bulldog Stadium. They made a lot of mistakes. The weather was not in their favor. Central is going to bounce back. I think that Central runs the table. I even think that Central is going to beat IMG Academy. I mean, this is still a very great team that even though right now they're 2-1 and one in region play, they're going to compete for a state title. Losing to Opelika, maybe it's a good thing because it realizes that Central is beatable, but they are going to make the adjustments. They take on Jefferson Davis on a rare Saturday morning game at the Cramden Bowl. Uh, That's what happens when you have like eight high schools in Montgomery and they all play in one stadium. You get a Saturday game. Then they have a short week. They take on IMG Academy on September 23rd. I'm looking forward to that. Just looking at the schedule, I mean, Auburn and Prattville, They wrap up the season with those two opponents. I think Auburn is going to be their biggest test, but I see Central running the table. But I only dropped them down in my rankings because they lost to Opelika, and Opelika moves up number two on my list. Number four, Lee Scott Academy. They are 3-0 on the season, and all three wins have been in dominant fashion. And Lee Scott Academy in Glenwood is looking like it's going to be the high school game of the week for week five. That is poll is on my twitter page and it is running away with the votes lee scott academy glenwood i like to call it the tim hudson classic yes i am calling it that tim hudson played baseball at glenwood and he's also the current head baseball coach at lee scott academy in auburn alabama number five i got the beauregard hornets and they are four and oh on the season. Beauregard is looking really good so far on the season for 5A region four play. They are 2-0 and in the region and Beauregard getting a big victory over Tallahassee 14-6 on Thursday night. They take on Charles Henderson who's also undefeated and they're a 5A program out of Troy, Alabama. So that is going to be a very intriguing matchup but the Beauregard Hornets I got them high on my list you go 4-0 I mean you deserve to be in my top 10 number six the Hanley Tigers a 4A program 4-0 on the season they're always competing for a state title Hanley is on here at number six number seven Lochapoca the Poca way is working. I love what Lochapoca is doing as a football program in single A and it's always great just to see even the small schools make an impact like Lochapoca is doing in the Chattahoochee Valley. Just you look at all the teams in that area that's still undefeated. Auburn, Opelika, Lee Scott, Lochapoca, Beauregard. Number eight, I got the Ufala Tigers. 3-0. and They're still just continuing to win. Copeland Cotton leading the offense. Number nine, the Lynette Panthers. This is the first team in my list that has two losses. Lynette did lose to Highland Home and one of the top teams in Alabama for 2A. But Lynette is still a great football team, led by head coach Clifford Story. But Lynette made the rankings, and back in the rankings is the Glenwood Gators. They have rallied off two straight wins, including a win over Fort Dale Academy, 
and beating Bessemer Academy 34-7, even though that game was called 40 seconds into halftime. Dallas Crow with three rushing touchdowns. JT Banks is their top running back. And Glenwood is starting to catch fire, and they got a huge test next week taking on Lee Scott Academy. I cannot wait for that game. It's going to be in Auburn. So congratulations to the Glenwood Gators for making my list. Now let's go over across the river into West Georgia and talk about the top 10 teams in the Chattahoochee Valley for West Georgia. Number one, I know they had a bye, but the Troop County Tigers are number one. After beating Callaway two weeks ago, they are a solid 3-0, and they get ready for a massive game Thursday night at Callaway Stadium against Whitewater out of Fayetteville, who is also 3-0, and that is one of the candidates for the high school game of the week. Even though Whitewater is not a team from the Chattahoochee Valley, I still think this is a massive game, and so I wanted to include it in my poll. Number two is the LaGrange Grangers, also 3-0. and You know, these two teams do play at the end of the year. Uh, LaGrange is just looking amazing. They take on Stars Mill on Friday night. Boy, so Callaway Stadium is just going to have two massive games, one on Thursday night and one on Friday night. Number three, I had to drop Carver in my rankings. They are 2-1 and one on the season after losing their first game to Northeast. Carver is going to bounce back. They take on Hapefield Charter. They'll take on Columbus in region play. You know, Carver is still a great football team, and head coach Pierre Coffey is going to have them responding to that loss. I mean, sometimes it takes a loss to, to realize what you have to work on. So I have the number three. Number four, I got the St. Ampicelli Vikings. After losing to Tattnall Square Academy, well, they beat Glenwood to start the season. They have actually rallied off their last two games in just incredible fashion. They have been dominant. That's why St. Ampicelli is up in my rankings at number four. Number five, they've only played two games. But the opponents that the Brookstone Cougars have played, they played Glenwood in a very close game, 25-23. to And then they took first Presbyterian Day out of Macon two overtime, and they won that game. Now, Brookstone's only 2-0, and so they've already had two buys, as they're still a great team. And then, number six, the Northside Patriots. They really jumped up my list. After shutting out the Shaw Raiders, Northside looks incredible. And then they have a Thursday night game at Kennett Stadium against Sumter County. That might be a game I might want to go to, because I really want to see Malachi Hosley. Anytime you are a high school football player and you decide to follow me on Twitter, I'm going to give you love on this podcast. So Malachi Hosley, who now follows me on Twitter, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to give him some love. He's one of the best running backs in 5A for the state of Georgia, and he is a highlight reel. A hard-to-stop running back as well is definitely going to be playing at the next level. So a big shout-out to Malachi Hosley. Number seven, new to the rankings, and I had to put him on here. I know they lost their first game in week one. The Calvary Christian Knights. A lot of people don't realize where Calvary Christian is or, or what, what region they are, but they are in the GAPPS. It's a different region than GIAA. But Calvary Christian has three straight victories. They are 3-1 and one on the season. Number eight, the Callaway Cavaliers, who got their first victory of the season in the Pulpwood Classic over Heard County. So they're going to continue being in my rankings because they are a very talented team that you know, started off the season 0-3. Number 9, the Shaw Raiders. I mean, yeah, they're 2-2, two and two, but Shaw is still a good team. 
Shaw's going to find a way to bounce back. They lost to two rivals. Harris County is a border rival for Shaw, and then Northside is a for bragging rights in the northern Columbus area. They take on Columbus at home this Friday night. Shaw could rally off and get two wins before they start region play. I mean, Columbus at home, and then they play Jordan at home. So the next two games, Shaw could be 4-2, and two, and they get ready to start region play. 4A Region 1 is a very interesting region. There's only five teams in the region, and right now, Shaw has the best record. Hardaway, their crosstown rival in the region, is 0-4. So I could see the Shaw Raiders doing some good things in the next couple of weeks. And wrapping up my list is number 10, is Schley County. Schley County is 1-2, and two, but they played a very good team, Blakely County. This team competes for state titles and they're going to have a very good year and i know they're one and two but i cannot leave schley county off a top 10 rankings for west georgia in the chattahoochee valley well that's my list the high school top 10 list for east alabama and west georgia that is always fun all right i do have something i want to talk about this is my opening thoughts here on the show Like I said, Monday's show is going to go an hour, so I got plenty of time just to talk about everything that's going on in high school sports, college football, and the NFL. Let's talk about college football. What an amazing Saturday of upsets and almost upsets. We saw three top 10 teams go down. I had a poll on Twitter, what was the most shocking upset of the night? And by far, it's Appalachian State over Texas A&M. I know that Marshall over Notre Dame was a big upset as well. Texas A&M was supposed to be Bama 2.0. Jimbo Fisher led the Texas A&M Aggies to the best recruiting class that he has had since he's been there. The expectations at Texas A&M is that they compete with Bama in the SEC West and they get to a college football playoff. That's why they're paying Jimbo Fisher the big bucks. You lose to Appalachian State. First of all, can we give a shout out to the Appalachian State program that in the past 15 years have beaten two top 10 teams? It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. I got to say, you know, Texas A&M has got to figure out their quarterback. Start Max Johnson. Do something. This is not the time to experiment, especially now that you've lost a game and then your schedule gets a little bit tougher. I actually thought if Texas A&M won eight games, that that would be a success because they got to take on Bama LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. It's not going to be easy. They could go 7-5. and five, And then what are the boosters going to think of Jimbo Fisher? So let's talk about that other team from Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, the job that he has done at Texas in year two. I know you want to dog him for going 4-8 and eight last year, but come on. I know it's Texas. And I know we can play the what-if game like we did in the national championship in 2009 with Colt McCoy. Quinn Ewers goes out of that game. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Texas had Alabama on their heels, and I think they should have won that game. Alabama played bad. They had all the penalties, but Bryce Young saved Alabama in that game with his spectacular breaking out of the play and getting them in field goal range. I actually think, I know he didn't play all that great, but Texas had a great game plan, and that's the biggest addition, getting Gary Patterson as their defensive coordinator. Texas looked physical. Texas looked like they had players. But John Robinson is a baller at running back. That was a great game. And I whiffed. I guessed that Alabama was going to blow them out because Texas fans said, we want Bama. And then did you see Nick Saban after the game getting angry at his players? 
for them doing the horns down. Look, and I know that Bama still is a good team. You know, they played a bad game and they were able to win in a hostile environment to a Power 5 conference team on the road. Bama's going to bounce back from this and they're just going to roll the other teams. I mean, that's what I think because they do have players. Jameer Gibbs is a very talented running back. Kobe Prentice is a talented wide receiver who's only a freshman, but Jermaine Burton is going to be their main target. Alabama will actually do well, and and they'll respond to this, because this is one of those wake-up calls that Bama fans were getting nervous. Texas should have won this game, but I think Texas had an opportunity to go up 20-10, to and they decided to kick the field goal. Four trips in the red zone for Texas, two field goals, a turnover, and a touchdown. So that's basically the story. Is Texas better than we thought? Well, they lost the game, and they jumped up in the rankings. Alabama went down to number two in the rankings. I'm wondering if that's even going to matter. If you're a Georgia fan, are you happy that Georgia's now the new number one? Or are the expectations a little bit higher and now you have a target on your back because that noon kickoff against South Carolina, it's in Columbia, South Carolina, and that's one of those games I'm going to be in front of the TV watching, possibly from start to finish. I know that I've had the game on on my phone against Samford. I just really wanted to see some things from Stetson Bennett. I knew they were going to win, but now you get into SEC play. Anybody can be beaten. Look how crazy college football has been. Georgia Southern. Wow. I, you know, they're a team from Georgia. I got to give Georgia Southern some love. A couple of years ago, they beat Florida. That was a big deal. Georgia Southern goes into Lincoln, Nebraska and pulls off a huge upset over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And then the next day, Nebraska's head coach, Scott Frost, gets fired, which uh, later on in the shows this week, I'll entertain the idea of who will be the next head coach at the University of Nebraska. But just give some love to Georgia Southern. Clay Helton doing a phenomenal job. I think that the Sun Belt were the big winners this weekend. Arkansas State played Ohio State tough. Marshall is now in the Sun Belt. They got a big win over Notre Dame. And Marcus Freeman, 0-3 as a Notre Dame head coach. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew that He was a good recruiter. Notre Dame has a top five recruiting class for 2023, but he has never been a head coach. And that could matter later down the road. So many great college football games to get into, but we only have an hour. I mean, I love the fact that I'm doing this show for an hour. This is incredible. Now moving on to the NFL. My, oh my, what is wrong with the Falcons? I was watching that game and they were down in the red zone and they turned the ball over. Jameis Winston wasn't playing all that great. The Falcons were dominating. They were leading that game with about 12 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. And all I could think of is, don't let the Saints get hope. Don't let Jameis Winston get a touchdown to make it 26-16. to It's like, oh, they go for two. And they make it. It's 26-18. to Then I'm saying, okay, don't get conservative. Just play your game. You need to get a score here. I knew that if the Falcons punted the ball back to the Saints with them down by eight that the Saints would find a way to score. Now, fortunately, the Saints did not convert on the two-point conversion. I kind of wish they would have because I think the Falcons would have played a little bit more aggressive and they probably would have went down and kicked the field goal. But because the Falcons had the two-point leave, they went back to their conservative offense. How predictable are the Falcons now? I mean, I've seen this over and over and over again the Atlanta Falcons letting teams come back in. You know, they had a big lead on the Saints last year in New Orleans, and they almost blew that game. Look at 2020 when Dan Quinn was the head coach. That game against the Cowboys. 
the Bears, the Lions, the Buccaneers. It's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. It, it's it's really starting to become the norm. I get on this podcast and I talk about the Atlanta Falcons. I, I go back and you know listen to the shows that I had after they lost to the Cowboys. I was talking about them, you know, turning the ball over in the red zone and and not capitalizing and not going for it when they should have. I mean, that was a terrible de- decision by head coach Arthur Smith not to go for it on fourth down, punting the football back to the Saints. And you know Jameis Winston is a quarterback who likes to air it out. He is a baller. He has torched the Falcons before. You just lost to your most hated rival in that way. How embarrassing. But the takeaway I got from the Falcons game was a lot of NFL writers think that they are going to be a bad team this year. I don't think they are. They show me some things, and I think that they're going to be a good team that's going to be competitive because Marcus Mariota is a smart quarterback that can make good decisions. He's got weapons, Cordell Patterson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. He utilizes their weapons. Their defense is just good enough. They got some stops on the Saints early in that first half, but you just can't play conservative like they do and then play in a prevent defense. Has the Falcons not learned their lesson from 28-3? to I don't think they've ever have. But I don't think you ever get over something like that. Anyway, would like to get Justin Dale on the show to see how he feels about that. But uh, yeah, well, the Falcons lost. My San Francisco 49ers lost. And right now, the passionate 49ers fan that I am wants to see Trey Lance benched and start Jimmy Garoppolo. But then I look back and I think, okay, let's see. The 49ers are playing the Bears on the road. They're a seven-point favorite. They don't have George Kittle. They don't have Elijah Mitchell. You know, he left in the second half. It's terrible weather. And Trey Lance just could not move the football when it mattered the most. When the Bears got that lead to make it 13-10, I thought that a Kyle Shanahan offense would move the football down the field. And then we would have a game where Justin Fields and Trey Lance are battling. And the 49ers defense just held Justin Fields in check in the first half. And then there was that one play. The 49ers were up 10 to nothing. Justin Fields breaks out of a sack and throws to a wide open receiver to make it 10-7. Got a little tight, but I think losing Elijah Mitchell in the second half and just not having George Kittle because he is huge in the run game as well. Trey Lance couldn't do what he wanted to do, but Trey Lance is not special. There's nothing special about Trey Lance. He is not an elite talent. He needs help. So it was a little too early to say that he needs to be benched for Jimmy Garoppolo because I think that Jimmy Garoppolo without George Kittle would be an ordinary quarterback too. I didn't realize how big of an impact George Kittle makes when he's playing for the 49ers. But the 49ers should be fine. They play the Seahawks next week. And uh, the Falcons actually play the Rams next week. And, you know, my takeaway on Thursday night, I didn't get a chance to talk about this because I had my high school football show. I think the Rams look like a one-hit wonder. I mean, the Bengals, I mean, the Bills sacked Matthew Stafford. They intercepted him. Jalen Ramsey was targeted. Seven times, six receptions by Stephon Diggs. This is incredible. Looking at some of the other scores in the NFL, we had our first tie, the Colts and the Texans. I thought the Texans were going to win that game. I mean, Matt Ryan looked ordinary, but Matt Ryan's a decent enough quarterback to get Houston and to get Indianapolis back and to tie that game. Kansas City dominant over Arizona. The Steelers getting a big win over the Bengals. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings beating the Green Bay Packers. And even though Baker Mayfield almost knocked off the Cleveland Browns, the Browns were able to get a big win over Carolina in Carolina. 
And the Baltimore Ravens beat the Jets 24-9. Some very interesting scores in the NFL. The Jaguars actually played the Commanders pretty good, but Carson Wentz, he's going to be Carson Wentz. He's going to make mistakes, but he's still a good quarterback, and he throws for four touchdowns. That Eagles-Lions game was pretty fun. You know, they came out to a big lead, and they got a big road victory. And right now, the Kansas City Chiefs have not skipped a beat. Even though they don't have Tyreek Hill, they still have Patrick Mahomes. And he's throwing to guys, you know, Patrick Mahomes is incredible. The good thing is, I know that we got a Monday night game tonight, Seattle and Denver. The NFC West right now, all the teams are 0-1. So I shouldn't feel so bad that the 49ers lost. All right, well, I think it's about that time to bring Corey Bank on the show. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back with Corey Bank, my new co-host here on the Sports Beat. You don't want to miss it. Back with Corey. Welcome back. And joining me on the show is my new co-host. He normally does the high school game of the week on the CW Jabama with me and joins me on Fridays for the high school wrap-up show. Corey Bank, welcome. It, it's really a privilege having you as my co-host officially. Thank you, Richard, for having me as your co-host. This is going to be an exciting year of football. I am excited to talk about some football with you. College and the NFL, we had major upsets on Saturday. Uh, Let's first talk about college football. Because the afternoon started out with the big noon kickoff between Alabama and Texas. And I got it wrong. I thought that Alabama was going to blow Texas out, but... Texas gave Alabama all they could handle, and Alabama escapes with a narrow 20-19 to win thanks to the heroics of Bryce Young. Bryce Young, what can I say about Bryce Young? He had 213 yards passing, any through for a score, dynamic player. We both know he's a dual-threat quarterback. He gets outside the pocket, makes the necessary throws. Uh, another guy, he only had six touches in the game, for 97 yards rushing, and that's running back Jace McClellan. 97 yards and a touchdown. A wide receiver that stepped up for Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, which was Johnny Gibbs. Normally he's a running back, but they use him in the past game very much so, 74 yards and a touchdown. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they had DeMarco Helms, huge playmaker for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I actually thought that it was a victory that Alabama needed to have if they're going to be tested because this is clearly a talented team. You have a team like Alabama that made all those mistakes with all those penalties, go into a hostile environment like Austin, Texas, take on a Texas team that we know is better than their ranking because Texas actually moved up in the new AP poll Texas has improved under second-year head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Gary Patterson is leading the defense as the new defensive coordinator. But we now we play the what-if game, Corey. What if Quinn Ewers does not get injured in that game that Texas could possibly knock off Alabama in Austin for the upset? Quinn Ewers, before that, was throwing for 9-12. I mean, he was completing 75% of his passes prior to that injury in the game. And when you had to call on young quarterback Hudson to come into the game, it was a tough thing. But 
Uh, Bajan Robinson was a dynamic player, had 120 all-purpose yards, whether it was coming out of the backfield where he was running between the tackles or they were creating plays for him to catch the football, a dynamic player on that Texas team. Well, another guy that really stepped up was number eight, Xavier Worthy, 97 yards receiving, huge day for him, but a stout linebacker that stepped up was 41, Jalen Ford. All right, moving on to the next game. This was probably the most shocking upset that I have witnessed in a very long time. Appalachian State does it again, Corey. They take down a top 10 team in the last 15 years. Remember, we were talking about them beating Michigan back in 2007. They beat Texas A&M in College Station 17-14. to And Texas A&M, this was supposed to be the third best team in the SEC. Jimbo Fisher has a number one recruiting class. Texas A&M still has to figure out their quarterback play. I mean, why didn't Texas A&M play Max Johnson in this game? I don't think it was the right decision, but here's the thing. I think it was based upon matchup. I think they thought that maybe they needed to spread the field a little bit to get their athletes in space. I think game plan-wise, that was why schematically did that, Richard. All right, let's talk about another upset. Man, Corey, we just had nothing but upsets this Saturday. Marshall beating Notre Dame. Did you expect that? I don't think anyone did, but here's the thing. This Notre Dame coach, his first three games coaching for Notre Dame, he's lost. He lost in the bowl game. He lost the game prior to that. He lost this week. Massive upset for Marshall over Notre Dame. And then the next game we're going to talk about is Georgia Southern getting the huge upset over the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln, Nebraska. And how about Georgia Southern? You know, this is a podcast dedicated to Georgia sports. And Clay Helton has done a fantastic job and what a weekend for the Sun Belt. But really, Nebraska is really reeling. They are a very reactive team. You know, their, their expectations at Nebraska is for them to win nine, ten games and go to a bowl game. And that's just not the case. They actually fire Scott Frost. So do you think that it was too soon or does the coaching search happen? I know this morning I heard on the radio station that Matt Campbell the Iowa State head coach is interested in the job. But I was having a little fun with this, uh, Corey. Who do you think should be the next head coach at Nebraska? I mean, I threw out Urban Meyer, John Gruden, Bill O'Brien. I think they should consider giving Urban Meyer a chance. Urban Meyer has been a successful college coach. He might have not been right for the players at the professional level, but if there's something that Urban Meyer does, he's able to – uh, make young men better and be able to prepare them for the next level. I think Urban Meyer might be a good fit. At the, at the same time, Dan Campbell has been playing really good role as a coach. Look what he's done with Iowa State. I mean, you have to love what he's done there. But the person that's the most stride and rhythm, I would say it's Dan Campbell. All right, moving on to the NFL because this is why I love football. Is you could sit in front of your TV and – watch NFL games. I got the NFL red zone. I, you know, I just love watching like all the highlights. I keep track of my fantasy team, which by the way, it didn't do so well, uh, but that's a later podcast, but uh, you had a pretty interesting day watching football. I mean, you're a Jets fan. I mean, I'm sorry about their loss to the Baltimore Ravens, but uh, well, 
let's go ahead and get into the first game we're going to talk about, and that's the local team here in Georgia, the Atlanta Falcons, which a lot of experts are thinking this is going to be the worst team in the NFL. I actually don't think so, Corey. I think that the Falcons, taking the 26-10 lead over the New Orleans Saints, they actually did a very good job. The blueprint is there. Marcus Mariota is a formidable quarterback. Just like typical Atlanta Falcons teams, they just can't close games. It means it definitely is the fine line. I mean, in their history, we've been seeing them blow games. Like the most notable one was in the Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots, where they blew a 28 to 3 lead. It seems to be a trend that this Falcons team had. But Marcus Mariota did not have a bad start his first week as the Falcons starter. He threw for 200 yards plus and uh, had a rushing score. So. It showed that he is dynamic with his legs, who's able to get the necessary carries. But a guy who stepped up, a veteran in the league, Cordell Patterson. He had 120 yards rushing and a touchdown. He had a massive game for this Falcons team. Whether they had him running between the tackles, whether they had him out in space, the guy showed that he was shifting the next level. Another guy that stepped up for the Falcons was Drake London. He had 74 yards receiving, and then the round excellent play by their safety, Richie Grant. But then on the Saints side, Jameis Winston came to play. He threw for two touchdowns, had a decent day, but a guy who had an explosive run for a touchdown in the game was athlete. You could line him up as a tight end. They even had him a quarterback. They even have him as a running back. In this case, he had an explosive run, and that was Taysom Hill. He ran for the score, and then notably, new player that came onto the Saints who had an incredible game, Jarvis Landry. Had 114 yards receiving and was dynamic. But a guy who scored two touchdowns for the Saints team, their dependable receiver, Michael Thomas. It's very hard to guard this guy in man coverage because they throw it over the top. He's got great, great length, a lot of athleticism, and that was exactly the difference in the game, latter part of the game, when they're throwing the ball to the likes of Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. And a guy who had a very crucial day for the Saints was Pete Werner. He had 11 tackles in the game. I don't know what happened to the Saints that caused them to wake up. When they went down 26 to 10, the Saints were on fire. Jameis Winston completing 10 of 11 passes. And if you look at their last three drives, touchdown, touchdown, and then a field goal to take the 27 to 26 lead. But you have Jameis Winston just throwing darts, wide open receivers. I don't know what they did on defense for the Falcons. But you cannot let a team claw back into the game like this. And do you think that head coach Arthur Smith for the Falcons was a little too conservative on that fourth and short? Should he have went for it to ice the game? Or you know, why punt the ball back to New Orleans when they showed on their last two drives that they are unstoppable? As the great Herm Edwards would say, my old Jet head coach, you play to win the game. So the game was on the line. What do you do? You put it in the hands of your top athlete. Go for it on fourth and short. Try to show that you're going to assert your dominance in this game and to put the game away. That's what I think, Richard. I think that that's exactly what should have happened. 
But this Falcons team is not a bad team. I think that they're going to be in games this entire season because Marcus Mariota is a decent enough quarterback to give them playmaking abilities. All right, let's move on to some of the afternoon games because we had some shockers. The first game, I was completely shocked that the Kansas City Chiefs without Tyreek Hill goes into Arizona. You don't think Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat? And they dominate the game. Patrick Mahomes with five touchdown passes. Travis Kelsey is clearly the best tight end in football. They defeat the Arizona Cardinals on the road 44-21. to And the Chiefs just don't skip a beat. It's sustainability. It doesn't matter who's in at wide receiver. They got Juju Smith-Schuster from the Steelers. They got Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Packers. And, of course, Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in football. Your thoughts on the Chiefs' dominance on the road against an NFC West opponent? Pretty incredible. So Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does. He gets outside the tackle box. And his five touchdowns he threw is just a testament of the legacy he's going to keep building for this Chiefs kingdom. So it's incredible. 360 yards, Richard, five touchdowns. But most impressively is that he got his running game going a little bit with Pacheco. Pacheco had 62 yards. Not bad, considering the fact that he had about only 10 carries. So he was averaging six yards a rush. So they were using the continuity a little bit with a decent run game on the 10 little carries to open up for Patrick Mahomes. Him being a dual-threat quarterback, getting out in space and surveying the field. Ever since he's seen teams that have figured him out on on his on where he's going to throw the ball on his routes in the playoffs, it looks like he's gone back to the drawing board this last offseason to realize when he's got a new receiving room, when he's got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when he has Juju Smith-Schuster, like you said, from the Steelers, he had a different receiving room. But the thing is, is that he has not, like you said, skipped the beat. He's been in great communication with his team. He's a great leader and he's dynamic. Travis Kelsey, I think in the last decade, there's no better tight end than Travis Kelsey. The guy can block. That's something that people don't talk about. The guy is a great blocker. Everyone talks about the fact that, okay, he's a great route runner, has great speed, and is able to get to the intermediate medium routes. But no, it's the reason why he's so great is because he's actually one of the best pass-blocking tight ends, not to mention opening up holes in the run game to be able to give space for Patrick Mahomes, considering the fact that he did go over 100 yards in a touchdown, just shows exactly how he's equipped there. Now, another guy who stepped up on the defense for the Chiefs, that's Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton has been really coming together as a dynamic player throughout last year, through the latter part of the year. But my goodness, has he stepped up this year in the secondary? All right, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings getting the win over Green Bay. It was in Minnesota. Green Bay was slightly favored. Do you think with with the Vikings beating the Packers 23-7, to Aaron Rodgers just did not look like himself as he had an interception, 22 for 34, for 195 yards. You think Aaron Rodgers is missing Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams was the security blanket. I mean, the fact that Devontae Adams went to another team like the Raiders and had over 100 yards his first game just says it all 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers, that was his number one target. Of course, you take that away, he's not the same. Aaron Rodgers is going to tell the media to relax like he always does. Green Bay always has a slow start. Remember last year, they got blown out by the New Orleans Saints week one. Green Bay finds a way to make adjustments. Matt LaFleur has led the Green Bay Packers to 13 win seasons every year in his first three years as a head coach. Green Bay is going to be fine. I mean, if you look at week one, and uh, we'll talk about that Buccaneers-Cowboys game because that was the Sunday night game. And The bottom line is, is that uh, Brady had a decent game. He threw for 200 yards and a touchdown. But the storyline of why they are so good is because they have an incredible run game with LSU running back Leonard Fournette. 127 yards rushing. The guy was getting inside the holes and breaking tackles, getting the second level, showing truly how dynamic it is. And with the aging Tom Brady, the legend that he brings, to, it's very, it's showing these days a great offensive line, opening up holes, giving the likes of Leonard Fournette running room to have the game he had was crucial. And then receivers like Mike Evans. Mike Evans is one of the most consistent receivers in the past decade as well as a pass catcher and being able to create space. If you get this guy in man-to-man coverage, it's almost impossible to guard him. He's so strong going up at the point of catching the ball at the top. He has 71 yards receiving and a touchdown. But a guy who's been all over the field for the Buccaneers is linebacker Devin White. Straight up ball hawk. He can survey the field, getting east and west in the shuffling, and then he's able to fill the holes, one of the best run-stuffing linebackers in the game. And a great job by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting the road victory Sunday night football to the Dallas Cowboys, 19-3. to Dallas is going to be without Dak Prescott for a while because of a broken hand, and and it looks like he's going to need surgery at does the Dallas Cowboys make the move to try to get Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade with the San Francisco 49ers, knowing that Dak Prescott is going to be out for a while? Remember, head coach Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat this year for Dallas. Whether or not Dak Prescott goes for a full 17 games. I think you have to go get Jimmy Garoppolo because at this point, the Cowboys are considered to be America's team. And here's the thing. They must be competitive. The Cowboys have to go get Jimmy Garoppolo because he's a veteran. And this last week, the 49ers didn't exactly play him, per se. He's a game manager. I wouldn't say he's a guy who's going to make a difference in uh, throwing for 300 yards plus. I'd say he's a kind of guy, he doesn't make that many mistakes. You can get the running game going with the likes of Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, play action passes. Uh, getting out to C.D. Lamb um, and the other receivers that you have. Jimmy Garoppolo is good at keeping the game close. He's a conservative-based quarterback. I think they have to go get him because he is a veteran in this league. Absolutely. And, uh, Corey, I cannot wait for week two. Uh, just a little sneak preview, that Thursday night game. Oh, that's going to be a massive game. I-, I think those are the two best teams in the AFC right now the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Amazon Prime, 
better get your popcorn ready. Also, better make sure that you renew your Amazon Prime subscription. I know I have. But you got the Prime video game Thursday night, the Chargers and the Chiefs. What do you think of that game? That That's a massive game for week two. I mean, you got two high-powered offenses playing against each other. Uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't really get much better than that. Two dynamic young players uh, leading their teams. It's going to be a high-powered offensive game. I think what people are not realizing is I think it's going to be a very physical game as well in the trenches. All right, and I'm looking forward to having you on every day as my new co-host. You'll have a segment on the show called The Daily Dash with Corey Bank as we just recap just the stories over the past uh, week. And uh, we're going to recap the Monday Night Football game tomorrow. So uh, I'm looking forward to that, seeing Russell Wilson return to Seattle. That is just going to be an incredible game. We'll break down that game tomorrow. So, Corey, it's great having you on the show as the new co-host. Um, any final thoughts Any final thoughts before uh, we close this uh, broadcast? I would say that there's, there's some things that were the reason why going back into a college football segment that Notre Dame didn't get done for them to win. And that's because that they allowed over 163 yards on the ground to Kehlani LeBourne. I mean, when you allow over 150 yards rushing, there's no way you can win those games. Oh, absolutely. It was a jam-packed sports weekend. I know that we had a fun time calling that high school football game on Thursday night. We did our high school football show on Friday. And um, I'm looking forward to having you on the show uh, every day as uh, Gabe Riddles will be my guest tomorrow. Corey Bank will be on the show for the Daily Dash with Corey Bank. Stay tuned for Wednesday shows. I will have Kate Norm, host of a podcast called the Rookie Contract Podcast. And then I will have Zach Kyleman on, on Thursday as he is the host of a podcast called Inside the Walls Podcast. And then Corey Bank will be on for Friday's show as we preview week five in high school football. Corey, we got a big game down in Russell County as the Russell County Warriors will take on Wetumpka. Looking forward to calling that game with you on the high school game of the week for the CW Jabama and beam Corey. It was a privilege having you on the show, recognizing you for the first time here on the sports beat as the new co-host. Thank you for having me on today, Richard. You got it. All right. That is all the time I have on the show. I just want to thank all my listeners who have downloaded and subscribed to my Facebook channel. I'm also on social media. My Twitter handle is at sports, Richard H. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.